You know what you could do in this deck is play like a Riftstone Portal and a Ghost Quarter, and then Ghost Quarter your own Riftstone Portal <laughs> to get another land, and then you get an Urborg Tomb of Yawgmoth out at the same time, and then you have the perfect mana base. Yes, because every single land would tap for Abzan. How insane is that? Yeah, that's right. So good. Yeah. Hey, you're listening to Commander Cookout Podcast, episode 46. I'm Brando. I'm here with Ryan, and today we're going to continue the arc of friendship by looking at a classically styled deck, and I hate it. Now hit our theme song! Hey, Ryan, we're back for another Whirlwind Adventure. How you doing? I'm good. What's going down? Whole lot's going down. We have a exciting week in real life and an extra exciting week on the podcast as we continue our arc of... Friendship. With a uh, kind of dirtbag deck. Yeah, we're doing... Our buddy Jesse's deck from, you'll, you'll recognize him from F.U. Jesse. Also proxied an island with another island, Jesse. Uh, Did we ever tell that story on the show? I think so. Also, two different arts for the same card in the same deck because he thought they were different cards. What? Is that a real story? Did that really happen? Hmm. Yeah. And they weren't basic <laughs> lands. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go over that too. Oh, damn you, Jesse. Jesse. Before that, I guess we should do our social media shoutouts, get that out of the way. We are... CCO Podcast on Twitter and tappedout.net. That's where you can see this deck and any other deck that we talk about in the past or in the future. We're Commander Cookout on, where are we? Commander Cookout everywhere. Commander Cookout at gmail.com. That's where you can send us show suggestions, questions, comments, no nudes. You could send nudes. That's okay. We're also Commander Cookout on Google Play, iTunes, Commander Society, edhrec.com, Patreon. Did I say YouTube? I'm sure. YouTube, and possibly most importantly, Podomatic, where we are valiantly not only struggling to eclipse the Facebooking and Facebooking, scrapbooking, ninnies, we're also in the top 100 podcasts on the site. Yes, very good. And in the top 10 on the games and hobbies portion, I guess. Yeah, so we super appreciate that because that's all you guys. So thanks. Yeah, and speaking to a couple of the social media outlets you had mentioned, Facebook, we're actually in the process of building a Facebook page. Yeah, that's a real thing. Spoiler alert, we are waiting to hit the illustrious launch button until we maybe start a new arc or have an excellent prize that's coming in the mail. Yes, and one of us also has to figure out how to run a Facebook group. Also, you'd mentioned Patreon. I did. We got some patron shoutouts. Ooh. So on our patron page, all of our $2 and up patrons get a, a free shout-out? I guess it's not free if they're contributing. <laughs> it's, it's the opposite of that, actually. Yeah. Anyways, we got a Fred Deichler? 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 I don't know. Fred Deichler. Does it sound German? Fred Deichler. Do we have... No, that's Eastern European. That's not <laughs> yeah, even German. That, that... <laughs> My German accent is not on point. I'm sorry. The Deich. I like that. The Deech. Thanks, Deech. Yeah, thanks, Deech. We have an Adrian Emmanuel. Adrian! Emmanuel. I like that. Two first names. That's really cool. And a Ben Fogarty. He won the Perf and Friends giveaway last week. Decided to become a patron. Oh, thanks, buddy. So, thank you. Enjoy your prize. So, speaking of giveaways. Giveaways? I've got the cards in my hand for the next giveaway. Yes. How do do people enter this giveaway, Ryan? It's going to be anything of the following. Or any combination of the following. Retweet, like of the show on Potomatic. Or I think they call it follow. Follow, a like. Follow there's a follow like a subscribe, and, right? There's a follow and a like button. Hit both. You get entered twice. Oh, very excellent. New subscribe on YouTube. Those people count. Yep. Shout out to them because we got some of those. You can also, as they say on YouTube, smash that like button. I love saying that. You could smash it. Something that we haven't mentioned for, I think, ever that is important and helps us take down the scrapbooking ninnies as well is you can actually hit the request more button on Potomatic. Ooh. And that that notifies Potomatic that this is popular and people want more of it, which is super excellent. I do I do dig that. I didn't know that was a thing even. Uh yeah, I think I just forgot to mention it. Oh. Well, now it's been mentioned. So yeah, and then the other thing of course we're always trying to pick up more Twitter followers and I think in the next arc we wanted to roll out a a Twitter specific giveaway. Something small, something fun. Maybe some maybe some open flippy dot drinky repacks. Ooh. Those are always fun, right? We haven't done that in a while. We're gonna have to get back on that. Yeah, for sure. Now, the cards I'm holding in my hand, I'm not gonna read them all because I want some of them to be a surprise. But remember, it does include at least one of every single triland, one of every vivid land. It contains a bunch of foils. 
and then some random five color lands. Some in foil, some in not foil. Dig just it. just throwing that out there. Yeah. So maybe I'll snap a picture, and if you recognize any of the cards, um, you'll be more apt to enter. And always remember that nothing's behind a paywall, but a tip of the hat to the patrons is whatever level you pledge at, $1, $2, $5, you get that many more entries. So now that all that's out of the way, who are we talking about? We're talking about stupid Jesse. Specifically, we're talking about the general of this deck, who is Teneb the Harvester. Yeah, old school. This is an old commander, right? I think he's one of the guys kind of that, when it was EDH, the D stands for dragon. I feel like there was a bunch of dragons that were used. He was the second general I'd considered using, never built him. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, um, he was part of a cycle of five rare dragons from Time Spiral Block that were color shifted from dragons that were originally printed in Invasion Block. Teneb the Harvester is, we'll give him a read here for you. He is a 6-6 for 3 black, green, white. Flying, obviously, he's a dragon. Whenever Teneb the Harvester deals combat damage to a player, you may pay 2 and a black. If you do, put target creature card from your graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. Ooh, so he has a reanimator ability strapped to him as a, as a triggered ability when he deals combat damage. Yes. Now, specifically remember that he costs six. He doesn't have haste or nothing, but flying, so he's got some invasion. He's got some evasion. <laughs> got invasion on the brain. It's a triggered ability, though, when he deals combat damage. Yes. Right? So you can't activate it like, you can't play pay black two like three times and reanimate three guys. That would make that way worse than it already is. Way better. That Worse w- for me way, and w- you. Worse for your opponent. I told you, I hate it. So everything <laughs> is worse for me. Yeah, okay. Everything good in here, it's bad. <laughs> so you can reanimate one guy and it costs three after you've dealt damage, after you've paid six. There's got to be better ways to reanimate in here. I'm Sure, there might be. We might have to get into that later on. I think so, too. How about, like, right now? Sure. Okay. Well, let's get into the recipe. 25 creatures. Seems like a lot. It does. There's some little utility guys, and then there's some bigger guys. Yes. And I I would assume that you want to reanimate the bigger guys. I'm assuming so as well. Okay, should we do some quick hits? That will bang through these real quick. Let's start off with... Academy Rector. Academy Rector, when it dies, you exile it, and you can search your library for an enchantment, put it into play. Acidic Slime. Kills a thing. Angel of Despair. That is an Angel 5-5 flyer. It vindicates when it enters the battlefield. It destroys a permanent. How about Archon of Justice? Same thing, except when it dies. It's a 4-4 flyer when it dies, destroy a permanent. How about a Coffin Queen? Coffin Queen is actually a reanimate spell. You can pay two and tap her and steal something from her graveyard as long as she remains tapped. That is a classic from Tempest. It does cost three, and the art is amazing. Yeah, very classic magic art. It's old school. How about Elishnorn, oh, the Grand Cenobite? Yeah, she's terrible. Vigilance, four, seven. Your stuff gets smaller. My stuff gets bigger. Eternal Witness. Gets something back from a graveyard. Fauna Shaman. Tutors and is... Survival of the fittest on a guy. Well, I was going to say, it's actually a discard outlet, so you play it and you discard a card, your big fatty, that you're going to reanimate. And then you fauna shaman for a creature that reanimates said big dude. It's like Mm. a one-card combo. Insane. How about Flicker Wisp? Flicker Wisp is a flicker effect. It just bounces a thing and puts it back onto the battlefield. Glory. Glory. I think this one's a little bit of a loose include, Jesse. It's an incarnation, and when it's in your graveyard, you can pay two and a white... And it gives creatures protection from the color of your choice. Ah, uh, maybe it's like supposed to be there to make it so your guys can't get removed. Definitely. You know what I'd play instead of that? Genesis. It's the same thing, but you can bring things out of your graveyard. I think it's either back it's back to your hand or back to play, I forget which. But it's the same thing for a little bit more mana. It's green. It's oh way, yeah, it's yeah. It's a better card. Yeah. Moving right along. Grave Titan. Grave Titan. He's a six six death touch, gives you two zombies when he enters the battlefield or attacks. Six six with death touch. Karmic Guide. Karmic Guide. Reanimate spell. Massacre Worm. Massacre Worm. It's a sweeper. Six, yeah, 6-5 six, sweeper, and whenever a opponent's creature dies, they lose two life. It's pretty good. Also, really cool art on that one, yeah, too. Yeah, I like Massacre Worm. I use it in lots of decks. I like cards with big, scary mouths on them. Hmm. I actually have a retooled... That's, that's a weird thing to like. I have a retooled Scarland Thry... Or Scarland? Scarland Thrynax? Thrynax? 
I forget the name of the card, but I have its mouth retooled and tattooed on my back. Ooh. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a weird thing. He likes big mouths. Yeah. Moving along, we have Noxious Gear Hulk. It ETBs, destroys a creature, you gain life equal to its toughness. Another removal spell. Phyrexian Delver. Ooh, Delver. That is a reanimate spell, lose life equal to the card's converted mana cost. Originally from Invasion. So sick. Very good. Restoration Angel. That's a blink spell. Raya Dawnbringer. That's a big creature that lets you reanimate a creature every turn. Shieldred the Whispering One. Same thing. Big creature that lets you reanimate a creature every turn and makes your opponents sacrifice a creature every one of their turns. Siege Rhino. Siege Rhino when it Siege Rhino. Siege Rhino. When Siege Rhino and <laughs> when Siege Rhino enters a battlefield, you gain three life and an opponent loses three life. Solemn Simulacrum. Uh gets a land and draws you a card when it dies. Swag Tusk. Swag Tusk. When it enters a battlefield, you gain five life. When it leaves the battlefield, put a three three beast into play. And it's a five three for five, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a very efficient card. He busted standard pretty bad, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Real bad. Oh, Put, played him alongside uh, Restoration Angels. Same deck. Because yep. you could blink him, and you could get double the benefit out of it. You get dudes in life, dudes in life, dudes yeah. in life, dudes in life. I love dudes in life. Vorinclex, Voice of Hunger. This guy is actually one of the things that makes the deck super powerful. He's a 7-6. Opponent's lands come into play tapped. Your lands tap for double. So not only is he a mana doubler, he's also a... Kind of like a stacks card, how he slows your opponents down. Actually, the uh, the lands don't come into play tapped, but when you tap them, tap them for mana, they don't untap. Oh, the that's next right. That's and that's right. even if you tap those lands for a removal spell to kill Vorinclex. They stay tapped next turn. Dirtbag. Wolfier Silverheart. That's a soul bond card, so when it enters the battlefield, it soul bonds to something, and both of those things that are bound together get plus four, plus four. Good beatdown card. It's a good beater. I don't know if it really has a spot in here. I think there, that could be something it, better, It might too. be a little bit outdated. You're right. I talked to Jesse about this deck, and he said, yeah, you know what? There's a little bit of loose includes because the deck, while it's still powerful and kind of remained true to its original form, some of the things haven't been edited in a few years because he hasn't been playing as much. Maybe that one could go. We'll see. Maybe in a future section of this very show. Who knows? We'll see. Woodfall Primus. Ooh, that has persist and destroys... Lands. No, sorry, permanence. Permanence. Yikes. And lastly, but not leastly, we have a worm coil engine. That's a six six death touch lifelink. When it dies, it gets cut in half. You get a three three death touch, three three lifelink. Very good card. So you're telling me it's a six six with death touch? Yes. Six six with death touch. Alright. Says the creatures. You'll notice a theme. The themes are great big giant fatties, a lot of them that do something terrible to your opponents, and or have Wicked sick enter the battlefield triggered abilities. Yes, very good uh, very good value attached to every yeah. creature, I think, is the name of the game, right? And lots of other things that'll blink those creatures, a la Resto Angel and Swag Tusk, to get that value over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. For sure. Okay. Instance nine. Nine of them. Let's I wonder what they are. Look, Knowing Jesse as I do, I wonder what these spells all do. I bet you you're gonna see a lot of removal. I'll, I have a feeling. I have a feel. Let's let's see. <laughs> let's see. We have anguished on making. That's exile target non-land permanent. You lose three life. Condemn. That is exile a attacking creature. Mortify. That is destroy target creature or enchantment. Path to exile. Exile a creature. Putrefy. That is destroy target creature or artifact. Swords to plowshares. That's exile a creature. <laughs> huh. That's not all nine of them yet, though. What are the other ones? Just in case you hated Jesse, not quite enough yet. Next up, we have Eladomri's Call. That is a tutor searches for a creature, puts it into hand. Worldly Tutor. That is a creature tutor put on top of your library. Instant speed, both of these, of course. And my personal favorite tutor in the deck. Entomb. One black mana, instant speed, put a creature from your library into your graveyard. What would you do with it then? Maybe you'd get it back with one of the nine sorceries in the deck. Should we go ahead to them? Maybe we should, yeah. Let's, uh... Let's start with Reanimate. The namesake of the deck, Reanimate, I love it, is a sorcery for black mana. Put target creature card from your graveyard onto the battlefield, and you lose life equal to its converted mana cost. So definitely a downside there because you're getting such an awesome discount on the on playing the card to reanimate the dude. But I don't know. I'd pay seven, eight life to get like a Vornclex turn two. 
Absolutely. That seems pretty good. It seems not not the worst. How about Unburial Rites? Unburial Rites. This is probably my favorite reanimation spell in the deck. It's a sorcery for black and four. Put a creature from your graveyard onto the battlefield, and it has flashback for white and three. Ooh. Very excellent. I like that one lots. That's it. What do you think the rest of the sorceries are, Ryan? Should we take a look? Mm, probably. Let's let's just yeah. Let's, let's look. Let's just see. Let's see if we can d- develop or, or recognize a theme here. So we have damnation. That seems like a sweeper. Dune blast. That's a sweeper, except for pick one guy. Keep it. Maelstrom pulse. That is a removal spell or a sweeper, depending on if they're playing tokens or not. Vindicate. Vindicate is destroy target permanent. End of story. Wrath of God. That's a sweeper. Extended Art Wrath of God. Also a sweeper. Hmm. Wait a minute. What? <laughs> huh. <laughs> huh. Wait a minute. Maybe that's an editing mistake. Maybe, maybe he just didn't notice. Maybe he didn't notice that. Maybe there is only supposed to be one Wrath in the deck. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I think so. Who knows? There's also a Demonic Tutor in there. Yep. That's um, Search for a Card, Put It in Your Hand. And lastly, we have a Sylvan Tutor. Sylvan Tutor. Good include. That's a portal version, portal sorcery version of Worldly Tutor, which searches for a creature, puts it on top of your library. Reanimate, remove, sweep. I like it. Toot. And you know what? I The sweepers in the deck very much act as um, a safety net because this deck is either going to pump out a, a big fatty real fast and is going to start beating wholesale ass real early, like turn three. Or it's going to play the long game with removal, stretch it out, stretch it out, stretch it out until late game, boom, here's your big guy immediately after you wrath, and then it's going to start to beat wholesale ass. So the deck can kind of take uh, two different forms depending on your opening hand. It's much like a, well, I guess not like a, it either go kind of the legacy reanimator route, which is, like you say, giant dude really fast, or kind of a more EDH style one where it just sort of grinds the game out until it can start reanimating fatties over and over again. Yeah, and I think both of those do make it feel very much like a that classic EDH deck that I talked about. Artifacts. Artifacts. Six artifacts. We've got a couple mana rocks and a couple, I think, just really, really good cards. Let's check them out. We got Birthing Pod. That is a tutor that you sacrifice a creature for. And you get a bigger creature directly onto the battlefield right it's one converted mana cost bigger it's crazy nuts we got a coalition relic that's right so that's a mana rock you can for three mana tap it for any color and a bunch of other stuff but f that other stuff it's a mana rock that you get any color for mimic vat when your dude dies you can bring him back with mimic vat or when somebody else's dude dies if they have something that is also good also good yeah. yeah i think by and large though the big fatties in this deck and we'll talk about them more when we get into the kind of lines of play section your creatures, your big fat fatties, are probably the highest power level cards that are going to be on the table. That's probably. specifically why they're in the deck. Next up, we have a Sensei's Divining Top. That lets you filter the top three cards of your library or tap it to draw a card, put it on the top of your library. Let's say if somebody casts a Vandal Blast, you can hide it. Mm-hmm. Like that. Sol Ring. Sol Ring is Sol Ring. Taps for two. Thran Dynamo. Thran Dynamo taps for four. Sorry, costs four, taps for three. Very That's good. That's a good one. Gives you lots of mana. Solid include. Enchantments, 11. Right, let's see what we got going on here. We have Animate Dead. Animate Dead, another reanimate spell. Uh, enchantment, if Animate Dead leaves the battlefield, the guy dies. And it gives it minus one, minus zero. So everything has a downside, but Animate Dead, when you're reanimating like a giant giant with Death Touch that has some ETB ability, getting minus one power, not really that bad. And a 5-6 with Death Touch is way more believable than a 6-6 six, six with Death Touch. <laughs> yes. Let's be straight with each other here. Next up, we've got Dance of the Dead. Another reanimation spell. Both of those cost black one. So they're, they're two drops. So you could, you'll see some, some really powerful lines of play in those with those. Debitor's Knell. Or Debtor's Knell. Debtor's Knell is, I think during your upkeep, you bring back a creature. Correct. Right? And that's Azorius Hybrid times three, and then four more. So that's a late game play. But into the late game, if you can stick and land that, you're going to reanimate a creature every turn. And, and a lot of times people just can't deal with that because they're in top deck mode. They used their removal spell the first time you reanimated your fatty. They've used their wrath for the token player. So now Deather, Debtor's now is just going to carry you into the late game and you're going to give you a big, big every single turn. It's like a shoulder you can't terminate. Yeah. Next up, we have Defense of the Heart. Defense of the Heart, if you haven't heard of it before, is during your upkeep, if one of your opponents controls three or more creatures, you can sacrifice it. Search your library for up to two creature cards, put them into play, then shuffle your library. 
I don't mind it. Dirty. Dirty. So you're playing against like a ramp deck with like that's playing like lots of elves or a token deck that goes, you know, turn two or three, puts out their first few. Defense of the heart. Boom. Get your shieldred, get your Elish Norn. And that's going to take care of every single one of their creatures. Yep. <laughs> so good. Next up, we have Marari's Wake. Mana Doubler. Also leads to very powerful plays when you... Uh, and the next one, too, Mana Reflection. Mana Doubler. Yep. These are going to get you into the late game to get your fatties into play from your hand if you can't reanimate them. How about a Survival of the Fittest? That's a tutor, just like Fauna Shaman. Green, discard a card, reanim... Or search your library for a card. You just can, creature card. Creature card, that's right. And you reanimate the guy that you discarded. Pernicious Deed. Kind of a wrath spell, right? Correct. You set X, sack it, destroy each artifact, creature, and enchantment with converted mana cost X or less. Artifact, creature, and enchantment. So yes. specifically, going back to that reanimate strategy, you have your you know your eight cost creature, you pernicious deed for seven. It's pretty good. It's going to kill everything pretty much. You're going to get some value out of it. It's going to leave your big reanimated fatty. And next up we have Jesse's favorite card in the whole world aura shards aura shards and honestly honestly i know that there's like 20 how many creatures 25 creatures in this deck i think that aura shards is a little bit of a loose include that's just there because he he likes it plus all the blinking effects and stuff oh yeah i suppose i suppose because it's not cast when it's a creature enters a battlefield okay no it's good yeah f you jesse for playing a good card (laughs) scumbag lands 37. I think that that's a fine number, especially given the converted mana cost of this deck is actually pretty high. And that's just a little bit of a nod to, okay, I'm not going to be able to reanimate every single time. So I'm going to need actually to cast my spells. Yes. My, my big spells, right? My game enders. Correct. Sometimes you just have to pay a debtor, play a debtor's, debtor's now? Yeah. Debtor's now. Yeah. She's going to have to hard cast it, man. It could happen. I actually like, you know, what's in this deck is Crypt of Agadium. It's comes into play tapped, taps for a black, or you pay two and tap it. And we've heard pay two and tap it before. Yeah. That's what Cabal Coffers does. This is kind of similar, except it gives you a black mana for every card in your, or every creature in your graveyard. Black creature. Black creature. I think, honestly, this should probably be a Cabal Coffers. You think? I think so. I, I like the include. And he is playing Urborg Tomb to Yawgmoth. Which is, again, better with Cabal Coffers. I suppose. Yes. If you don't have the 20-some dollars for Cabal Coffers or whatever it costs now, maybe Cryptagadium's better. I don't know. There's only five creatures that work with Cryptagadium in this deck. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. Cut it. Yeah. Cut I would it. I would cut it and put in a... I can't remember the name of that damn card. Cabal Coffers. Cabal Coffers. Yeah. F. Yeah. And looking at the mana base, it looks like every kind of shock, filter, fast land, all good, good mana base, um, sound, I guess, right? Yes. But there is a... Volta the Archangel in there, and I like that guy. Taps for a colorless, or you can pay two black, white. Creatures you control gain death touch, and what is it? Lifelink? Yep. Don't mind that. That'll keep you in the game for a while. Yep. It'll kill your uh, opponent's stuff, and it'll get you a bunch of life back. And then you get a 4-7 with death touch. (laughs) Yeah, you can get anybody with death touch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, nine tutors in the deck, hey? That's going to crush the spicy formula, but... You know what? Honestly, in a reanimator deck, that's the style. That's, that's the point. That's, that's what you have to do, right? You have yeah. to find these creatures and you have to bin them somehow, right? Correct. Yeah. And then to round it out, two Planeswalkers. I think they're both Lilianas. They are both Lilianas. We have Liliana of the Dark Realm. That's the one that finds swamps. Yep. And if you can get her emblem, it makes all your swamps tap for black, 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 black. I think that that should be L- Liliana... Original. Vess? Liliana Vess. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember that her card. last We name. talked about it the other week. Still don't like her. The I more still I think d- about it, the more I don't like her. I still don't like her, but it does let you find a reanimate spell or a fatty. Yeah, it lets you find all kinds of right? stuff. No, I see the point of her. Deck. Yeah. I still hate her. And the other one, Liliana of the Vale. Lily of the Valley, as some people call her. She's the one, uh, she's a big time modern card if you don't have one. Probably the best Liliana art, if you ask me. And everybody. Three loyalty for one black black, plus one. Each player discards a card. That's your fatty. That's why it's in here. Minus two. Each or target player sacrifices a creature, so removal if they have a bigger fatty. And then her big ability is minus six. It's choice of damnations. You never do that, really. But 
if you do, you separate somebody's stuff into two piles, kill one pile, they get to keep the other one. Yeah. It's not that good. I don't I don't think that's very good because they always get their best thing. Those things that you're trying to get, whenever they're you, always going to still have some of them. Yeah, whenever you give your opponent a choice, they're going to choose the best thing for them, which is... The worst thing for you. Exactly. Three mana, discard your best guy in your hand to reanimate. Pretty good. Very good. Yeah. Card draw spells. Two card draw spells. And I said two. I remember when I made the notes, I said two. One is top because it lets you card filter and then card draw. Right. So if you three cards down, stack the top, and then use the top to draw that card, it gets you the card that you need. So essentially it's increasing the number of cards in your hand by three. Sure. And then both of those Lilianas are kind of like sort of card draw. You know what I mean? Like Liliana the Veil lets you put your best guy into your graveyard. Essentially, you're not doing anything with it that removes it from your, air quotes, hand. It just lets you put it into a place that you can cheat it into play. So it's more of a card advantage thing because your other yeah, your opponents like are a, also losing It's like a, a, a board advantage or a virtual card advantage because you're all losing something, but you're actually gaining something better. Yeah, you're not really losing anything. In in a lot of cases, yeah. you're actually putting it in a you're putting the thing where you want. If it. if you played, if you had a card that said all of your opponents discard a card, is that it's not the same as drawing a card because you're not getting anything extra. No. But if it didn't cost you a card because Liana doesn't die when you plus her, right? It's not too It's kind of like drawing a card. And the other one lets you search for a land. It puts the land card into your hand. So I mean, it is card advantage, but it's not ramp and it's not card draw but it is giving you extra cards. Yes. So I guess we can count those. The uh, The point of the deck, though, from a card advantage standpoint is get lots of stuff into your graveyard. You want to bin them. You don't, need them. You don't want them in your hand. You want them in your graveyard. That's exactly it, right? And we're going to talk about that in the potential suggestions as well because there's a couple, I think, blatant excludes from the deck that maybe are there to add value guys like Thrag Tusk and Siege Rhino when really those could be more bin cards or reanimate cards targeted removal 14 thanks jesse and that also includes liliana the veil Duh. yeah so 14 targeted removal spells and 10 wrath spells or mass removal spells 10 10 10 including a creature that you can reanimate in elish norn 10 very powerful strategy against token decks is to bin elish norn and then reanimate her because you're not gonna pay seven for her, you're gonna pay two for her 10 and 14. That's <laughs> so many. Ugh. And the, and again, the removal is there to stretch out the game if you can't reanimate somebody. You stretch the game out till you can hard cast your big fatty, and then you go to town after you've wiped everybody's board. Like maybe somebody plays a Rest in Peace or a Leyland of the Void or some other reanimate hate card. Because there's lots of them. Certainly graveyard hate does exist. We'll talk about that in the weakness section because that certainly is a weakness and it does slow the deck down. That's why you need the removal to also slow them down. Ramp spells, three. I'm counting Mana Reflection and Mirari's Wake and Vornclex, which doesn't seem like a ramp spell when you're talking about like six, seven, eight drop cards. You've got, what what is the converted mana cost of those cards? There's five, six, Six and eight. So, listen to this. It's a ramp spell. Turn one in Tomb that lets you search your library for Vornclex, put it into your graveyard. Turn two, Dance of the Dead or Reanimate. Reanimate Dead or whatever, right? Targeting Vornclex, put Vornclex into play. That's your turn two. Turn three, now you have a mana doubler. You've played your third land. You have six mana. You have six mana. You go Massacre Worm kill all your guys because nobody's going to have guys that are bigger than 2-2 two, two on turn 2 or, th- or on turn 3 sorry yeah probably not right so you wrath their board and if they have one or two creatures that die they've taken 2 or 4 damage turn 4 swing with massacre worm and vornclex that's 13 damage by turn 4 remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about Nekuzar killing you on turn 4 or 5 after you have faced an aggro deck and the aggro deck did, you know, 13 or 14 points of damage, and Necrozar kills you on turn five. Yeah. This is that deck. Yeah. Turn one in Tomb, turn two, reanimate, beat wholesale ass with big guys on turn three, four, because you've got a mana doubler. It's a ramp spell. Sure. In that regard, because you've got uh, you've got 12 reanimation targets, you've got 11 reanimate spells, including Teneb, right? It's lots. It's, it's lots. almost one for one. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. It's outrageous. Yep. And 
Finally, Mana Rocks and Dorks, we've got Solar Ring, Coalition Relic, Thran Dynamo. Just helps you get to the late game. But Ramp really isn't your strategy. Reanimation is. Correct. Which is, you don't really need Ramp to reanimate. Yeah, no, because it's all so cheap, right? So Cheap. <laughs> cheap. You mean like... Uh, um, I'm not talking about cost, folks. Cheap. <laughs> I'm talking about your shoes, Jesse. Cheap shoes, cheap deck, cheap strategy. Right. You said it, I didn't. <laughs> Okay, so I guess, how else would you play the deck? You could, well, Tomb, in Tomb is probably the most powerful turn one play, yeah, right? It's, it's, okay. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. other than that, turn two, you got four different tutors, and that includes Fauna Shaman and Survival of the Fittest, which play into the strategy perfectly. We talked about that already. And you know what else I like? Is, and we didn't we didn't actually read it. There's a card called Soul Snare. I forgot about that one. It's another targeted removal spell. It is. It is an enchantment for white, and you pay white and sacrifice it to exile target creature that is attacking you. I like that on turn one as well. M maybe instead of Entomb, if you don't exactly know what you're going to do yet, because it acts as a rattlesnake, it stretches the game. Remember I, I was talking about that? It makes people not want to attack you. The deck mulligans terribly, right? I think because you've got all these big, like, six, seven, eight drop creatures and all of this low, tiny removal with not very much ramp. So you have to strategically rean or strategically mulligan to get the proper mix of things that'll bin creatures for you, put them into your graveyard, and reanimate. And creatures, right? So it needs a whole bunch of things to click right off the bat. So something like Soul Snare acts as a, okay, I'll keep this kind of 75% hand because Soul Snare is going to help me maybe stretch it a little bit more or give me an extra couple turns, right? Did we mention there's a Grave Pact in here too? No, but that seems powerful if you only have one creature. Yeah. Right? And then somebody's like, ah, maybe it's not. I don't I know. I don't think it's actually that good in this deck. I think it's just there because Jesse likes removal. Yeah, that is another mass removal spell. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't <laughs> be relying on your big reanimated beaters going to the graveyard. That's counterproductive to what you're trying yeah, to do. Yeah, I know if I have the choice of a terror or a path to exile against this deck, I'm going to save the terror for somebody else, and I'm going to path or exile whatever this deck's doing, right? Correct. So I guess big thing about how to play the deck is, for the most part, the action starts on turn three. Unless you've got a, a super good, like, entomb reanimate hand, action starts on turn three, because turn three is going to let you pay any of the targeted removal. It's got enchantments on three. It's got planeswalkers on three. Three is when you can start to stretch the game out and when this deck starts to warp the game away from what would normally be considered like a regular EDH game because you're doing something that is so out to left field and using your graveyard so much and it's so powerful that, it, that people have to do something about it, right? They have to change the game. That leads perfectly into something that I wanted to talk about with this deck. I say I hate it. Why do I hate it? I sound like it's not that bad, apart from the fact I'm hating on Jesse for playing so much removal, which I do. Yeah, F, F you, Jesse. Jesse. Here's the thing. I talk lots on the show about group dynamic, table politics, the game outside the game. Super important. This is a deck that is always threatening because it plays great big giant beaters on turn two. And everybody in our group knows that along with that beater, it is going to be backed up by, I don't know, let's say, the best 25 removal, the removal spells. Yeah. So whenever we play the game, Jesse always makes the joke, outside of Magic, we're, we're friends and everybody's, we're all totally cool with each other. Very true. I hate Jesse at the Magic <laughs> table. I hate him. When I say, he is target number one every time, all day, every day. But sometimes I'm playing, especially with this deck, I'll play something that's a little bit more higher end and so some of the other people at the table are like, oh, no, Brando's playing Cranko. We should probably stomp him into the dirt. Meanwhile, Jesse's just sitting there, yeah, remove that, remove that, remove that. And I'm just, like, trying my damnedest to kill Jesse, and everybody's attacking me, and then I die, and Jesse wins because they ignored him. And Jesse wins. That's the key, right? When we talk, uh, we, I think we brought it up a couple weeks ago about threat assessment. Yep. Threat assessment in Commander, super important because, I mean, Brando might have looked like the threat, when you're in first, you're last. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But ultimately, it's it's the second place guy. It's the it's the guy that the first place guy is trying to kill. Usually ends up winning because he's not being targeted by everybody. He's just playing against one person. 
And that one person he's playing against is the guy in first place that everybody else is trying to kill. He's probably fighting against three or four other people. And while that is a, it is a sound strategy to try and beat the guy that's the furthest ahead. And it, and, and it seems like it makes sense. And it also seems like it makes sense to not say, okay, I got to attack this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy to make sure that nobody's doing anything except for me, which I mean, that doesn't work either. No. Because you can't. You can't kill spread it four out like people that. all at once. And you don't want to make an enemy once. of the whole table. That's right. So, I mean, what do you do? Yeah, and, like, there are lots of times where I'm, like, I'm, I'm pummeling Jesse, and it's going really well, and somebody does something terrible to him, and it's like, I really want to swing back at you, JJ. I really want to kill you, and I could, but I can't, because I have to finish off Jesse, because if I don't, he's going to win. And then it's Smitty's turn, and Smitty kills me, and then Jesse wins. I suppose maybe then the right thing to do is take a look at where the board is at and where somebody's where somebody's hand is at. You know what I do is whoever plays out their hand, you know, like mana rock, mana rock, mana rock, mana rock. They got one card in hand or zero cards in hand, but their board is full. That guy's not really a threat because he's in top deck mode. And you know everything he's going to do. Yeah, he's going to draw his one card. And if it's a big fat fatty, then he's going to play it. Well, I can kill it. Or in this case, Jesse will kill it. Right. So that guy's not really a threat and assess the political situation. If you're playing Cranko in your example and you're trying to beat Jesse, I know that you're not a threat to me. Right. As long as I don't immediately try and win the game before you take your next turn, then you're going to go after Jesse. Right. So I guess just assess the table and assess cards in hand versus cards on board. And who do you really want to end up? playing against afterwards do you want to play against the exhausted red deck that just went all in to kill the reanimator deck or do you want to play the long game super recursive yeah never going away never ending cycle of pain that is a reanimator deck exactly even if the reanimator deck has no cards in hand how many times has he cast teneb zero because that's normally how many times he casts it yeah he cast teneb one time and you've already used your removal or, or whatever, you can't deal with Teneb, so he's got a free, not a free because it costs three mana, but essentially a free reanimate spell every turn now. Yeah. Take got six, his weakened opponent, and here's my shoulder back. Yeah. So just take a look at the board state versus cards in hand, and also take a look at the political state of things yeah. in the friends, current game. don't be scum. I'm just trying to kill Jesse. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Let me live my dreams here. God. Okay, moving back on how to play the deck. I think turn four to six, Wrath, Deeds, Defense of the Heart, Academy Rector, um, just good Abzan, Control, grind it out. This is if you don't reanimate. There's a lot of, like, removal and good stuff is basically what this deck is. Jesse.deck. Yeah. So, and it's, it's good stuff and ways to recur your good stuff. Exactly. And after that, after you've done the wraths and the removals and you've kind of zeroed out the board again or balanced it so everybody's equal turn seven plus you can just hard cast whatever you want and your grave titans and your shieldreds and your vorinclex your worm coil engines those are just going to be among the most powerful cards in the game with their etb abilities or their upkeep abilities like shieldreds that's just going to let you pull ahead your Grave Titans, you're going to attack. People aren't going to want to block it, but they will, so you're going to get guys with it, and then you're going to get blockers out of it with the zombies that it produces, right? We talk about Teneb himself. We just said you cast him late game, you've got a flying attacker now, and you've got reanimation on a stick. So the cards are just better. Your cards are better than everybody else's cards, for the most part. Exactly. You, you, you top deck late game your, your Karmic Guide, you're going to karmic guide something back into, from your graveyard into play, and then you're going to be left with a blocker in addition to the big guy you reanimated. It's almost like a two-for-one, right? It's, very it's almost like a three-for-one if the karmic guide can kill something that's blocking. It's outrageous. It probably won't, not in the late game, but, but it, it might. Could. It might. You never know. Right? And it flies, so... Okay. Potential cuts, budget, better options, includes... Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. Well, like always, or like very frequent on the show, <laughs> I like to just... Mention the lands, because the lands are typically the most expensive part of the deck. So this deck, no secret, it's like $1,071. Yeah. That's actually lots. And when you break it down a little bit, Jesse's got a bayou in here. I think because he owns a bayou, he puts it in the deck, right? Why wouldn't you? $227. He's got original fetch lands in here to the tune of $56. Shock lands to the tune of $23. Filters to the tune of $41. 
while those are the best options, you could play some, I guess, cheaper stuff. The basic fetches, the ones like um, Terramorphic Expanse and Evolving Wilds. You could play that. Uh, I guess it's not as cheap as it used to be. I think it's a few dollars now. Remember Myriad Landscape? Yep. It came out. You could play that one too. Yeah, for sure. Or I think there's another. What, isn't there a fetch land that was green and white where I think it was in the cat pre-con where it comes into play tapped to sack it, find a forest um, and a plains card, and they don't have to be basic, put them in play tapped? Cross and Verge. Yeah, like, that'd be cool. Yep, for sure. And I guess the, the thing about all of those when they put lands into the battlefield tapped is that... They're slow. They are a turn slower, and in this deck, when you want to go in Tomb, turn one, reanimate turn two, you're not going to be able to do that without just having basics in your hand. Right. And you could make a case for just saying, I'm not going to run any fetches and just run more basics to do that exact line of play, which is even cheaper. Because you don't really have to pay anything for basics. Yeah, people will give you basics. So CCO Nation, if you come by the house, I'll give you some basics. For sure. There there may or may not be some basics in our land giveaway package. Just <laughs> just throwing that out there. Right? So you've got basic the the basic land fetchers. You've got Sandstep Citadel is the tri land for Abzan. That's not in here. That could be. That's some of the what I was talking to Jesse about how he hasn't updated because the last time he played this deck, he said Sandstep Citadel didn't exist. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Cons so, wasn't out. Correct. So that's a little nod to how old this deck is. Right? It's been around it's for a long time. traditional EDH deck for a while. And I've hated it that whole time. Very good. Yep. You've got pain lands. You've got gain lands, the ones that come into play tap but gain you a life. Nothing wrong with that because they're going to give you two colors as long as you're okay with conceding that you can't entomb turn one. I like pain lands a lot better. They're not budget anymore, I don't think, as much as they could be. But. I think I think that they all are except for Brushland. The um it's the white green one. The white green one. Or is it um Battlefield Forge, the white red one? It's one of them that's expensive. Really? Because of modern, yeah. Oh modern. Um but you've also got tainted lands. If you control a swamp, they tap for black or green, black or white. They're basically dual lands. Yeah. As long as you have a swamp. Correct. Tainted and peak, tainted isle, tainted wood. I forget what the other one is, but tainted field? Oh, probably something stupid. Probably like that. something stupid, yeah. So those are fine. There's also Murmuring Bosk. Now that one's about 10 bucks, but that one's going to give you Abzan colors. It's going to come into play tapped no, unless come, you control a Tree Folk. Right, unless right? you reveal a Tree Folk. Oh yeah, that's what it is. And you're not going to be able to do that in this deck. So basically it's just like Sandstep Citadel number two. It's a pain land and a forest. But you can see, you can fetch it because it's forest. That's right. You can fetch a Tri Land and that's not negligible. I don't mind say. that for sure. Okay, Rampant Rocks, Coalition Relic is actually 15 bucks, and it could easily be a Commander Sphere for 79 cents. Commander Sphere lets you draw a card, but uh, Coalition Relic, actually you can tap it and put a counter on it, and uh, next turn remove the counter to get a mana and tap it for a mana, so it gives you two. So it ramps you a little bit yeah. faster. if you It slows you down, speeds you up. Slows you down, speeds you up. Slows yeah, you down, speeds and you up. I don't know, does that deck want this, or does that deck want an extra card draw late game when you don't need the mana? Tough to say. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I I think that maybe the card draw late game might actually be better. I think that it might be. And for, you know, one-fifteenth the cost, uh, I don't mind it. Now, the other thing, too, you're playing green. Excellent card draw available in green with Harmonize and Shamanic Revelation and Rishkar's Expertise, particularly with Rishkar's Expertise after you've rea reanimated something because you draw cards equal to the biggest power of dude. And then you can play something for free. How about a Thrag Tusk? What about value there? Yeah. You draw seven cards, and then you play your Thrag Tusk, and then you sacrifice her or block with it. I think that that card, while sweet, it costs six, which isn't really a huge problem. But I think a lot of the things that you would play for free off of it are removal spells that you want to save for that opportune yeah. time. Right? Like Nothing would be a feel-bad like drawing into nothing but a path. And it's you like, got to oh. do it at sorcery speed yeah, randomly I'll... when nobody's attacking you. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of loose. It's you're kind right. of a waste, but it's a great card. Excellent lots card. Of other stuff. <laughs> lots of people consider that the best card to come out of um, Kaladesh block. Really? Yep. It's and a one good of card. the best cards of 2017, actually. I bought a playset of them. Ooh. Yeah. Very excellent. Okay, moving on. Tutors, because they actually account for an extremely high amount of value in the deck as well. We're talking about survival of the fittest. And I know I talked about the strategic merits of that, saying that you discard your fatty, but 
I mean, it's 48 bucks. Sylvan Tudor, also 48 bucks because it's from Portal. Right. It's just your second copy of Worldly Tudor, which gets you a creature, puts it on the top of your library. I like instead Tortured Existence, and that's three bucks. Give it that a read. It's a, it's a popper card, actually. Yeah. Enchantment for black. Black. Choose and discard a creature card. Return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. I play this baby in Hirobi. For sure. So the important part of the card is black. Choose and discard a creature card. That's also what Survival of the Fittest does. Right. Right? I think that the creature in your graveyard is more important than searching for another creature. Especially in this deck. And particularly when you have something like, again, here's a budget include, something like Burnished Heart, which is a creature that you pay to sacrifice and search for two basic lands. That'd be a good one. Right? So you sacrifice your Burnished Heart to get your two basics. You discard your Vornclex to your Tortured Existence to get your Burnished Heart back. And then you can play your Burnished Heart to get two lands again. Then discard your next fatty. You're getting fatties into your graveyard while you're ramping. And you need to get something back, so why not get value out of it? Get your um, Solemn Simulacrum back when you discard your Vornclex using Tortured Existence. It's a good one. Because it's going to cost you like $45 less. Yeah. I don't mind that. Also has... Sweet art on it. Totally and, badass. And it's Miss Stronghold. And Stronghold is cool. So I started yes. playing Magic. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, all of those are important. The other one I'm, I was thinking of is, and I know I've been harping on it the whole episode, is Entomb. Actually, $15. Used to be like 35 Then they reprinted it in that foil deck, right? Was that the um, was that the one that brought it down? Or was it reprinted in a master set that actually affected it the It was price? in a master set. It was a judge promo. And, and it was also a Yu-Gi-Oh! invocation card from Amonkhet. Right. That's right. Yes, I hate those. So it got a bunch of reprintings. And it's only 15 bucks now, but I like Buried Alive for $5. It's black, two, sorcery. Search for three cards. Put them into your graveyard. Nothing wrong with that. Reanimate, reanimate, reanimate. You got a whole team. You know what else isn't in here that I think should be? I just thought of this. Big Daddy Butt Sex Terastodon. Absolutely. And he it, should be in everything. And it sits right in Jesse's wheelhouse because he's also a removal spell. He's oh! a great big fat fatty who's a removal spell that you can blink to repeat the removal spell. Yes. Why aren't you playing that, Jesse? There's no excuse. Very excellent. Yeah. Also, if you play him, I hate you even more. No, I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah. I'm doing this episode like I'm sitting at the table with Jesse playing Magic, and we all know how that goes. Okay, moving on. Worm Coil Engine, still 17 bucks, and there's plenty of other big, dumb idiots. Yeah, six sixes with Death Touch, they're everywhere. Yeah, well, what about you cut? If, if you don't want to spend the 17 to $20 on a Worm Coil, put Big Daddy Butt Sex in there. Harder to hard cast. True. But, I mean, way less expensive. Yeah. That's the thing, right? Grave pack we touched on is fourteen bucks. If you need a grave pack effect, there is Dictate of Erebos. That's five bucks. It's got flash, but and does the same thing. Whenever a creature you control dies, everybody else sacks a creature. I think that's fine with flash for an extra mana because I you could so. you could uh, get your big guy killed and flash it in when you were saving mana up for like a one for one removal spell. You could flash in. Dictate of Erebos and get one from everybody's. Or two, depending on how well you're... If you've defensive the hearted already, you could get oh, yeah. one or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aura Shards, 14 bucks. And don't shit down my throat, but maybe it's still not the best. I don't know. Cross and Grip or Sylvan Reclamation. Those are, those are like... Do you use those cards to destroy artifacts and enchantments? It's, it's like 14, 15 bucks. It's a lot of money, but it's it's Jesse's favorite card. He'd never cut it. Oh, I, I think suppose. it's in every deck he plays. And this is the... Even if the deck is mono blue. <laughs> yeah, you probably would. I'm on to you, Jesse. And we're not going to rag on it too hard because it's... You're right. It is the... Friendship. Arc. So I'll stop pooping on him <laughs> for now. So, okay, here's the thing. If you did remove Aura Shards and you go back in time for the last five minutes and, and think about the do dollar value of everything that we took out of the deck combines to... Almost $600 we just took out of the deck right there. And I think there's reasonable justification for all of those things. So that would probably take the deck down to, you know, 400 bucks. Which is kind of, we've talked about it before. Or, it's or not, 500 bucks, sorry. It's not a small amount of money, but it's kind of where you're going to be if you're going to buy a competitive commander deck. If you're going to buy the whole thing. Yeah. and You I mean, probably have a lot of this stuff. There's lots of, not old, not new, but kind of middle ground 
stuff that isn't a whole bunch of money. Yeah, and stuff stuff that's stuff that's now cheaper than it used to be. Vindicate, Damnation. Realistically, if you make all the cuts that we had suggested because you want to build this deck, go over the last ten years of Magic sets and just find the biggest cards because big dumb beaters are still big dumb beaters. They're still awesome. They might, they just might not be the most powerful ones of all time. Correct. Because those ones are expensive. The Elish Norns, the Shieldreds, those are expensive cards. Yes. Jeez, get a get a Sun Titan to go along with your Grave Titan. Sure. Right? Get a Big Daddy Butt Sex Trastodon to go instead of your Worm Coil Engine. Right? There's there's ways to save money with your reanimation targets. Correct. Because you can get those big stupid things that cost a million mana because you're not you're paying two for them. It doesn't matter that they cost black, 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 green, 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 red, 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 white, 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 five. It doesn't matter. Because you're paying black one. Speaking of which, a couple weeks ago's card, World Spine Worm, 15-15 for 11 or whatever it was. There Reanimate him. Or Croson Cloud Scrapper from a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Look him up. So yes, that's our kind of include, exclude budget section. I think it's time we moved on to card, card of, the, of week. the week. I think this week's got to go to a little ditty. We mentioned him at the top of the show, Phyrexian Delver. Phyrexian Delver is a 3-2 for 3 black black. When Phyrexian Delver enters the battlefield, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. You lose life equal to that creature's converted mana cost. Originally from Invasion. Very cool. Yes, and relevant creature type. He's a zombie. Why Why is that relevant? Could be relevant to a future arc. Just saying. Who Next knows? Next arc, listen up. Yeah, who who, who could could, uh, could also be relevant and or included in a future giveaway hmm. who knows but yeah he also costs 46 american cents which is about 73 canadian dollars yes so he's pretty affordable yes if you're american unless you want to foil one yeah foil ones are lots yeah they would be lots yeah they would be lots and they'd be lots and lots but yeah there you go okay very good strengths and weaknesses we're gonna plow through them because we're getting short on time i like could get the tits slash nut draw to reanimate big dude turn two Yes. Very powerful. Very That's strong. why this was a legacy deck for a long time, because... Turn one to Gristlebrand, or whatever it is you're, you're Yeah, playing. not anymore of that, but yeah. for sure. Great into the late game. Big, high density of finishers. Lots of powerful creatures in the deck, right? Correct. High quality, plentiful control cards. All the best removal. Also You're playing correct. the two best removal colors. Lengthens the game out, makes people sandbag, and you can just deal with whatever the hell they're sandbagging. So what are the weaknesses, Ryan? Weaknesses? You want me to talk about the weaknesses? You have to mulligan re- aggressively. Yeah, I'll cover. I'll cover the. My, my, I'll cover my weaknesses first. Yeah. <laughs> mulligan aggressively punishes you for keeping a bad hand because you're all over the map. Lack of discard outlet. You want more if you don't have the budget to spend on the expensive ones like um, survival. One big reanimated dude is a very easy target, and especially if people want to are seeking retribution. And I think that leads into your weaknesses. Which it draws a lot of hate. Yes. That's the biggest one. It draws a lot of hate from the people at the table. And if you look at the removal, there's tons of creature removal, tons of sweepers, tons of all that stuff. There's only two or three ways to eliminate artifacts and enchantments. And there are a lot of artifacts and enchantment that wreck this deck. And they cost one. Yep. A Tormon script will turn this deck off in the late game. A Bajuka Bog will also do that. Ooh, turn yeah. one. Don't both of those cost zero? Zero <laughs> mana. For zero mana, you can turn this deck off after, say, also turn Also, Leyline of the Void yeah. in your opening hand, zero mana. Yeah, Leyline Ley of the Void, or even late game. It'll take it out. Rest in Peace, Grafdigger's Cage. There's a new one from the new set that costs one. If you've got a really, if you've got a Scavenging Ooze. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's one. Who's for that, sure. that one, two for one Golgari? You tap him, remove a creature from the game, gain two life or whatever, like, there's so many things that just turn this deck off. And you know what too is um something like Torpor Orb too. Yep, and there's Torpor not Orb a lot of it. and there's not a lot of stuff that in the deck that gets rid of that stuff. And if you do, you only get to do it once, maybe twice. I think that's why Aura Shards is in here. I think so too for sure cuz it's probably the the best multi-use one in the colors, right? Correct. Okay. I buy it. And I think those are two glaring weaknesses because graveyard strategies are so strong and so consistent. The hate is also very efficient, very cheap, and plentiful everywhere. Everybody's got it, and everybody should play it. For sure. Milk list? Milk list. Milk list is, as per EDHREC.com, 
the most commonly played cards at each converted mana cost in the color combination that we're talking about. This week, Absan. Absan. White, green, black. Let's do it. At the zero drop slot, most popular card, Mana Crypt. No. Not playing it. Soul Ring at one. Yes. Secure Tribelder at two. No. At three, we've got Eternal Witness. Yes. He is playing that. At four, here's a surprising one, Utter End. And it's not in there. Not in there. No, he's playing um, Vindicate and... Anguished Unmaking or whatever? And then a couple Wraths instead. I think that does a good job. Yeah, makes yep. up for it. Oh, and Maelstrom Policy's playing. Yes. Okay, moving on. Five drop slot, Aslytic Slime. Yes. He is playing that. Six drop slot, I suggested it, Sun Titan. Nope. No. Shield Dread, the Whispering One at seven. Of course. For sure. Swamp Bitch, that's what we call her. At eight is Woodfall Primus. There he is. We're playing him. At nine, Iona Shield of Ameria. I like that one. That's a good one in here, too. But not in here. Not in here. Nine drop. No. He's playing Rhea Dawnbringer from Invasion. She's also a reanimation thing on legs. For sure. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Stormherd at 10. What? Of course not. No, no Stormherds here. Jesse's not terrible. Ulamog at 11. Nope. If you had instant speed reanimate, you could play him. Yep. Yep. It that betrays at 12. That would be a good one. Nope. Emmercool the promised end at 13. Nope. And 15, your favorite. No, 14 drops. What the hell? Uh, Come on. It's no uh, dink mouth infusion, I guess. <laughs> 15 is a Talkthon Worm, your favorite. I hate that card. And even though it would be a budget include in a reanimator deck, still don't play it because it's terrible. And you're terrible if you play it. <laughs> Internet, stop playing that card. Stop it. Stop it. There's no way of making it good. There's no way that it will ever be better than anything that's anywhere close to doing the same thing as it. There's no way. It sucks. It sucks. <laughs> it sucks. I can't say anything oh, other than it sucks. I think it's funny when Brando gets mad. Oh. Five Milk List matches. You suck, Jesse. Wait, no. Hang on. Arc of Friendship. You were... You were... You underperformed on the Milk List, Jesse. Oh, that was... Even that was difficult. That was hard. Did you, did you hear me strain to say that? Yes. He twitched a little bit. Oh. Spice Calculator. Spice Calculator. 319 Teneb, the Harvester lists on EDHREC.com. That makes him the fifth most popular commander. We are looking at an average converted mana cost of 3.9. A little bit high, but that's... Uh, this to be expected when you got this many fat fatties. For sure, and we like fat fatties. Yes, we do. Critical turn. Ooh, what do you think? Three or like 19? What's the critical turn <laughs> of this deck? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, one of the, it's one of the two, though, isn't it? It's three or 19. Uh, I'm going to, uh, let's say five. That's that's kind of in between, ma- right? Max it out. Okay. Optimal game size, I maxed that out too at six because this deck can go up against six dudes with all of the removal it has. It doesn't care about anything that anybody's doing. Kind of like a combo deck because it's going to combo reanimate something. Air quotes, combo. Yeah. But it's going to control the game for as long as it wants if it's not reanimating. That is very true. So I'm going to max it out. And big games like that also allow you to fly a little more under the radar. It lets other decks kind of pull ahead of you so that you can... Remember that Jesse thing? We talked about it way earlier on in another episode. I forget what it was, where he'll wrath of God and try and make it sound like he's doing it for your benefit. That's way easier to do in a six-player game than a four-player game. Way harder to do in general now because we've exposed your deck, Jesse. Sorry. Okay, and finally, the uniqueness rating. That's the number of cards that this list is different than the EDH Rec stock list. There's 23 different cards, which is okay. It's all right. It's fine. There's some originality there because, I mean, you can choose what fatties that you want to reanimate or choose how much mana rocks and how all-in you want to go on reanimation strategy versus ramp because you're playing green. Right. All of that into the spicy calculator beep, beep, boop, 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 with nine tutors, 29 spicy. <sniffs> yeah, in the 20s, which we don't like to see, but is common when you're playing what I think is probably a pretty uh, developed strategy. And there, nine tutors. Yeah, and nine tutors. Yeah. And again, those tutors, we said, they do play into the strategy. Yeah, we get it. Right? We understand you got to play the tutors when you're playing a deck like this because it's too top heavy to not. Yeah, You need to hit your stuff when you need to hit your stuff. Because as much as the removal package is great and you can control the board, you're only going to be able to do that for so long. For sure. And then you're hooped. Do I dare ask you your final thoughts on the deck? Let me just remind myself of something real quick. Friendship. Okay. Yes. 
Honestly, as much as I dislike this, and I think it kind of goes in the face of my own personal deck building philosophy, which is to have something different every game, whereas this deck kind of does not only the same thing every game, but it does the same thing multiple times in the same game. It's not my jam, but don't let that throw you off. This is a really cool deck, and it's a lot of fun. And to even if, if you buy it as stock as it is on the, the tapped out page, or use some of our suggestions to make it budget, this strategy and this kind of deck actually is really fun to play. It's interesting to pilot, and it does actually give you a lot of interaction with the table. The deck really does rely on how you interact with the table to make it go, and that's a lot of fun. And I wanted to interrupt here as well and say that I actually really like this deck as well, and it inspired me to tweak one of my own decks to play a little bit more of the reanimation kind of strategy because it was it was lots of fun for me to look at. It's very nostalgic, right? We we it's talk a about classic, it. classic, it's a classic. Deck. It's like a muscle car, man. It never goes out of style. It's like the it's the what would you say the Corvette? The I Corvette would say of, yeah, sixty three Corvette, one of the most beautiful cars ever created. Yep, and it's still a classic for reason. It's a classic for a reason for sure. So that kind of sums up the thoughts on abzanreanimator.jesse.ihateit.deck. Next week, we're going to move into something built by another one of our friends who say F you two all the time, and I'm sure we're going to have some fun with that, aren't we, Ryan? <laughs> yes. And we're going to have all that fun with you guys on the next episode of Commander Cookout Podcast. Hit our theme song! Ooh. Yeah, F, F you, Jesse. Jesse.